This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Power Business, 6 to 7 p.m. 18.32 on Power Business. Uh, in studio, I'm joined by Modiwa Gavaza, who is uh, tech correspondent at Business Day. And he joins us every single Friday with the tech wrap uh, for about 30 minutes. We look at the world of ICT and tech, both here and globally. It's a very dynamic industry that is ever-evolving. And Modiwa uh, is here today to uh, take us through all of it. And I mean, lots of the stuff that happened there this week. Modiwa, hi. Good evening, Nautana. How are you? I love good one and thriving. Fantastic. Thank you for being here <laughs> with us as you do every Friday. But you want to get right into it. I want yeah. to speak about uh, the company is called Elise, right? Yeah. And when I think about them, I think Dakotas. <laughs> <laughs> I literally see like the ears. Yes. yes right. Yes, 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 but yes, their yes. share price crashed this week after they had to file for business rescue. They also involved in solar, weren't they? And I thought solar was doing well. Yeah. Well, what's sad about uh, the situation with uh, with Ellie's? A lot of people know Ellie's because it's one of those household brands, and it's a household brand simply because you know many of us have adapters, plugs in the house of some sort that are written Ellie's. If you've ever gotten any plug that's got the red on it, you know mm. the multi plugs, the ones that are see through, transparent, they are all Ellie's, right? Uh, but to Nolutando's point. Mm, the satellite dishes. Many people have satellite dishes that literally say Ellie's in black on them. Um, whether it should be the smaller dishes that are written Ellie's on them. Um, so that's how you know a lot of people know Ellie's. It's an ele- electronics company, but it's an electronics company that had become quite synonymous with DSTV, mm-hmm. and that's where the wheels fell off. Okay. A couple of years ago, um, installation started to dip. Uh, and they had a huge network of installers around the country. It was a huge part of their business. Unfortunately, installation started coming down, and they could see the writing on the wall. They they tried a number of things. They looked at, you know, turning their base of DSTV installers into fiber installers. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. even had partnerships. I think there was something to do with the Vox, if I remember correctly, or was it Vuma? But anyway. They were now, you know, trying to, they were now, you know, saying, let's redo these guys as uh, fiber installers so that we can still have the same network. But, you know, installing something new, people are getting fiber. Let's do that. You know, I don't know how far that went. Then at some point they were like, okay, cool. Load shedding is here. Let's get into the solar game, right? Because they're an electronics company, which means they already had things like your power banks, Mm -hmm. um, generators, inverters that they already selling but they just didn't have liquidity right that's where the issue was they just didn't have liquidity to actually go out and buy stock so that they could you know capitalize on the opportunity right some point they were like okay cool let's buy a solar company mm-hmm. so some people might know there's a solar company uh, relatively big in the local market called bundu power mm. and uh, ellie's made a bid to buy bundu power and they had tied a lot to that acquisition because basically it was meant to be okay cool this will be our way We've, we we failed to do solar on our own let's get a solar company that is doing well and then, you know, we'll, we'll ride that wave. We'll help them to scale. We'll get in on the game. They had gone to the lenders. The lenders looked like they were, you know. Uh, on board. On board. And, you know, everyone was smiling and it was great. 
unfortunately earlier this week it should be on the 31st if i remember correctly the bankers came back and said hey we don't think this thing can you know can be done so unfortunately the deal fell through and because they had pinned so much to that acquisition immediately filed for business rescue so shame what are the what are the odds that you know the banks would look like they're on your side and they not be on your side well i think it just has to do with what the um performance was looking like right because their last set of results wasn't pleasing at all right i, I can't remember the exact number but um with their last set of uh, last set of results they actually um you know crashed quite a bit in terms of just uh, just the earnings right so this is this is a deal that was announced some time back right so obviously you've got banks looking at all this and then they're now doing the maths to be like the way these guys are performing now will they really be able to continue uh, you know, operating because um, reported losses in the most re- recent financial year um, amounted to 18 million rand, mm-hmm. right? That's how that's the loss that uh, that they had. Mind you, this is a company that is has a market cap of 16 million, right? Yeah, and they were looking for 115 million. Yeah. Okay. Imagine being a listed company in South Africa and your market cap is 16 million. Right. That's that's that that's what that's, that's how tough it was. Yeah, that's yeah. how that's how that's how tough things are now. And their current share price is two cents. Right? Once upon a time this is a company that was worth nine Rand a share. Sure. To to show you just how, you know, how like like the fall, right? Um if you're sixteen million now, uh it means that uh once upon a time, you could have been worth, let's say, ten times that at just twenty cents. Mm. Ten I times that. Do you understand what yes, I mean? Yes, yes, like yes. for you to get to from nine rand to two cents to two cents, it's a it's a it's a tough one. Yeah. Business risky will probably look at delisting. Hey, well, probably yeah. yeah. And the other thing is that the thing with Ellie's is you also can't i don't know to what extent you can fault management because they tried so many things yeah like you're saying they tried this and they tried that they tried this they tried that plus they went through rounds of restructuring as well so they also let go of staff on on you know more than one occasion than the last three in the last three to four years if i remember correctly Right, they shut down one of uh, one of the distribution offices, if I remember correctly. So it's been this constant, uh, you know, this constant thing with Ellie's uh, over the years. We actually hoped that you know solar, right? Imagine solar is the biggest opportunity right now in energy, but somehow you're not able to take advantage of that opportunity because you just don't have the the money on hand or um, no one has faith that you can make this thing happen. Very tragic, uh, I think, indeed, for them. And, of course, we'll see how that all plans out for them. Let's move on now and talk about Salsi gunning for telecoms at third place. <laughs> what yeah. are the odds? So we we had an engagement with the CEO of uh, of Salsi the other day. Question was raised, hey, because one of the things he has said multiple times and he continues to say it is, listen, we understand where we are in the market. We're not, you know, if one, if we happen to get 
you know, if the stars align and we happen to become bigger than Vodacom, that's great. Mm. But we're not gunning for number one. Okay. Right. We just want to make sure that one, we make a profit and then two, we start to acquire customers again. Right. Then the question was, well, a few years ago, you guys weren't the number four, you were the number three. Mm. And that was your place for 20 years. Right. Are you wanting to get back to that? And he was like, yeah, no, definitely. That's at least a game they're willing to, what you call this, that's, that they're willing to play. I mean, you've spoken about this business, and of course, it's a way more than the usual, uh, you know, SIM card in a phone business. But I'll tell you, I don't know a single person on Celsi. Really? Right? I don't. I seriously don't. <laughs> are you on Celsi, Midua? No, 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 I'm not well, on Celsi. Uh, right? Pascal, are you on, are you on Celsi? No, so I don't know a single person who's on Celsius. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how There's it plays out. There's 10 million out. of these people somewhere in this country. Somewhere, right? And yeah. I mean, I think maybe the interesting thing is telecoms had a good, a difficult time, but mm. I, I back them to to keep their number three position. Mm. Um, I think they've got a lot going for them still. Mm. And actually, we've been very hard on telecom. In 2023, we were very hard on telecom. Mm. But I, I'd like to see this. I feel like it's a long shot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and I think for a lot of market players, they also see it like that. But um, this is uh, in business school, they talk about BHAGs, mm-hmm. you know, big, hairy, ambitious goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this is uh, this is George's BHAG, um, you know, go after something like that. But before anything like that happens, you know, let's 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 get, you know, profits in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we can we, we, we can push it from there. And of course, like you said, uh, he said the stars aligned one day to be bigger than Vodacom. Not uh, Vodacom has two hundred million subscribers. <laughs> two hundred million. That is South Africa times three and some. Yeah. So let's talk about Vodacom and just the that Egyptian business they acquired has obviously really changed mm. the game for them. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting place. I was just doing some quick numbers earlier on. Um, I need to go and you know do a, like a proper check of where Vodacom sits on the continent, mm-hmm. um, be, because today they reported third quarter earnings and they said that you know they had crossed the two hundred million customer mark for the first time, and their two hundred million takes into account um, you know things like their operations. Uh, the Vodafone operation they took over in Egypt. They also take into account the operations of Safaricom as well, mm-hmm. which they have a 35% stake in because M-Pesa you know, is a 50-50 joint venture with Safaricom. So um, they've uh, so when they characterized their 200 million, they said across our group, this is the number that we're at. It's the first time that you know we've reached this. Egypt um, is obviously a big driver, but there's also Ethiopia. Mm because Safaricom recently got into Ethiopia as well. Right? So all of those things, uh, getting into these large populous countries has really helped them you know, to drive their growth quite a bit because um, 2018 they were, was the first time they got to 100, 100 million. Right? Um, and then the other big operators, you've got Airtel Africa, you've got Orange Africa, both of them sit just over 140 million. Right to give you some context, but all of that pales in comparison to MTN's two hundred ninety million. Um, so, 
MTN is still the king of the hill when it comes to that. But um, definitely those two countries, especially Egypt, has given Vodacom, you know, a, a new seat at the table. Because for a long time, it was just Vodacom and its eight, con- and its eight countries. And, you know, they, they were fine at just over the 100 million or so mark. But now, you know, they've properly accelerated that growth. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a company that has that's taken on a different complexion yeah, to what we had, you know, know maybe two or three years ago it was always the safer you know calm but now they've gone you know quite gung-ho into africa another interesting thing that we're hearing around vodacom is uh talks of selling mbesa or selling parts of mbesa which would be mm. crazy but uh what, what would ever be uh, the investment case for something like that they don't need more money <laughs> <laughs> but they could list it okay uh, yeah i think in terms of realistic opportunities um, it's either outside investment or a listing um, of Impesa. Um, the calculations that are out there, um, because right now the, the hard case we have is MTN's financial services business mm-hmm. valuation $5.2 billion, which is you know absolutely massive. By some estimates that, uh, you know, analyst estimates, uh, they have Impesa sitting between 5 and $7 billion. Right. So depending on whose valuation you are using, and this is where it becomes a little bit tricky. Are these so, dollars? These are dollars. Yeah, Crazy. yeah, okay. $57 billion uh, because uh, MTN is $5.2 billion. These valuations and all of that stuff, it's a little bit tricky sometimes. And the reason I say that is because I don't feel like there's a, there's a consistent way in which these guys are reporting their numbers. Right. So, for example, Vodacom will tell you that they are the biggest uh, mobile money operation in terms of uh, volume of transactions, okay. you know, that are being done. Because I think they're doing a hundred billion dollars a quarter. Wow. Right. Okay. That's flowing through their system. That's the number that that's the number that they reported. Seventy-five million, you know, across seventy-five million customers. Sometimes when you when you look at MTN numbers, it would seem as if their operation is bigger than so. So it's a little bit tricky. It just depends on what are you looking at in terms of uh, what you call this in terms of that. Um, so if it's about value unlock, those would likely be you know some of the ways forward. Realistically, do we see Safaricom and Vodacom doing something like that? I'm not sure. Uh, once again, we have to use the MTN because MTN has already said we are open to outside investment. Mm-hmm. We are willing to do strategic partnerships, minority stakes, you know, if you have something come through, which is why there's a MasterCard deal in place. But we haven't really seen that type of, you know, openness on on the side of Safaricom and Vodacom to say, you know, guys come you know, let's let's make something happen. Could it be because Vodacom has a parent company and MTN doesn't? <laughs> I mean, it's a real thing. Would you? Yeah, I think, it is. I think it, it was is. in Feb when you wrote about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Vodacom and the possibility of their parent company Vodafone mm. selling them. Yeah, um, it's a it's a not to say it's a tricky place, mm-hmm. right? But it is a different dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to MTN, you know that head office is in Rudaport. Yes. Right. Yes. Whereas with uh, whereas with Vodacom, you'll say, okay, cool. It's in Midrand. There's there's a head office in Midrand, but, but there's also decision making that's taking place in, in London. 
Yeah. Right. So that always that always feeds into their into their decision making, which is why uh, they've tended to t- to be a little bit slower, you know, when it comes to making certain moves because uh, they tend to to move in lockstep with their parent company, for example. Um, right now, a lot of the operators are getting into this whole satellite game. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard the likes of MTN saying we're talking to Starlink. Um, Telcom, Vox have been partners with companies like Yasat and Euro and uh, Utelsat for for years. Now you have a uh, a partnership that happens between Amazon's satellite company called Project Kuiper. And that happens on two levels. It happens at a Vodacom level and mm-hmm. it happens at a Vodafone level, mm. right? So once again, you see the group, which is moving Vodafone, mm. you know, moving together. So as much as there's a Vodacom group, um, because, you know, for a couple of years, it's always felt like Vodacom is essentially Vodaf- Vodafone Africa. Yes. yes. I mean, also for a long time, I mean, you, if you don't know about Vodafone, you would think that Vodacom is a South African business. Yes. And it's, it's, it's not really. Not really. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it it is an interesting uh, it is an interesting dynamic, and the fact that it's just sixty percent owned that's not even you know up for up for debate. It's not like you're wondering you know whether or not uh, the the Brits are in control or not. Um, so you do see the movement in uh, what you call this the movement in lockstep. What has been interesting over the last couple of years, and you see it with a movement like what we're seeing in uh, in Egypt, mm-hmm. is that you're you're seeing you know Vodafone letting go of a number of its African operations, and I guess for them it's okay, fine. If we can either give it to Vodacom or completely get rid of it, our exposure to the African continent continues to be um, you know through Vodacom. Mm. And if you look at least the limited knowledge I have of Vodafone, mm-hmm. my understanding is that Vodacom is actually a good piece of, you know, their portfolio, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's stable, it grows. It's it's literally that thing that ticks up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You hardly ever hear them, like Vodafone, like Vodacom South Africa reported 4% growth. All the, all the um, outsized growth we're hearing is Egypt and more. But traditionally, it's always been, you know, that slow thing and you look at it over 10 years and you're like, oh, wow. These guys have come far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a very interesting one. We'll be watching that one. I mean, to solve Congo.com. Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, what we're seeing happening with a multi-choice. This week, uh, a French company, Canal Plus, uh, made a bid for a multi-choice. We've spoken about this before, Mudia. And when you were telling us about it initially, you were telling us about how Canal Plus was slowly, quietly, patiently building up uh, their stocks in multi-choice. But this week... They came out guns blazing. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So they did come out guns blazing. Before I before I, before I say this, are you were you surprised? Yes and no. Uh-huh. I mean, because you've said that they were building up a. Mm. But I mean, in my mind, it was surprising because I never didn't think that it's control they wanted. I thought they just wanted a piece of the pie. Mm. But clearly, it's it's control they want. Well, when I spoke to the CEO, mm-hmm. uh, I spoke to Canal C- Plus' CEO yesterday. You're not sure whether it's a it's a, it's a narrative play mm-hmm. or whether it's strategic, but the way they're framing this is: we're not looking for control. We are looking for a merger, right? But they've asked for an acquisition, not a merger. No, no, no. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
but the way they're, they're positioning it, right? Because one of my questions was, okay, cool. You guys are looking for um, to buy the outstanding shares. And what we understand about these types of deals is that some people decide not to give up their shares. So, I, so the question I ask is, what's your threshold, right? Are you trying to get over 50? Are you trying to get to 100? Like, well, what are we doing? No answer there, right? It's we are trying to make sure that we get into bed properly with multi-choice and that we can keep them listed in South Africa and investors have something that they have. Because Canal Plus has been uh, part of Vivendi um, you know, for a long time. Recently, they were unbundled out of Vivendi, mm-hmm. and and um, the indication that they've the signal they've sent is we also want to. So they're preparing for their own IPO. Okay, right? Yes, and they want to list in South Africa as well. Yes, they want to list in South Africa. So they want well. there'd be there'd be Canal Plus and there'd be a, a multi choice according to what they say. Because it's French people, like, and it's very possible that they speak differently to. Um, other people, like other business people. So the frankness uh, that you got, do you hear what I'm saying to you? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that it is a, an acquisition because when people want to merge, they call it a merger. Yeah. So the way, he, the conversation I had with them was a merger conversation. The communication that we received from them was an, an acquisition. acquisition. Yes. yes. And that's why I said, you know, you're not sure whether it's a, it's a narrative, you know, piece or whether, you know, there's a little bit of uh, chess. Uh, there, there's definitely oh, chess. language. Being, yes. There's definitely <laughs> chess being played and mm-hmm. how this is being framed and how this is posi- being positioned. Um, so I found that to be uh, particularly interesting. One of the more, I need to read this to you verbatim. Mm-hmm. Um, because I found it to be quite an interesting line uh, that they that they put in here, and uh, it's actually something that we are exploring this weekend for uh, what you call this that we're exploring this weekend for Business Day, mm-hmm. because basically um, they say that okay, multi choice can say yes to us or they can stay alone, but multi choice needs a partner for scale, right? Um, let me read this to you. Should this combination not proceed once again? This is from Canal Plus. Yeah, this is Canal Plus's yeah. right. This is their actual statement. Okay. Right. And there's a paragraph here. Should this combination not proceed? Mm-hmm. This lack of scale is likely to become a more acute problem in the coming years, risking the company's status as the preeminent media company in Africa and impacting its mid-term trajectory. So basically they say... If you don't sell. (laughs) (laughs) If you do not sell, (laughs) you are going to suffer. I mean, that's what they're saying here. They say that if you do not sell to us, right... And that's what I'm saying. It's also a, maybe a language thing. And yeah. it would be very interesting to find out how, uh, you know, these, these kind of things are communicated in France. Because I think in different ca- countries around the world, uh, people speak differently. The business language is very different. And for us, it sounds like a threat. But if, if a French person read that, they might read it and be like, yeah, well, if that's the truth, if they don't, you know. Because for us, it sounds like they're saying, it is in your best interest mm. to go ahead yep. with this deal. But yep. then I must ask you, should multi-choice sell? 
It's a it's an interesting one, and once again, this is something that when you when you talk to when you hear Maxim talking, um, he makes uh, he makes a, he makes a case to say we need scale, right? And he's I guess recognizing that there as Canal Plus needs scale, Multitrust needs scale. Let's come together and achieve this scale. Mm-hmm. So as much as the language seems strong to your point. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a threat. It's not it's threatening. A, it's, Absolutely, it's, it's, it's more matter of fact. But but to give context, if you said that to an African in Africa, <laughs> they'd be like, "My brother," exactly. you know. Yeah, but yeah. I guess it's it's language. Yes. Okay, it's language. And uh, he actually, um, in the business day to day, he actually the CEO of Canal Plus actually wrote. A long opinion piece in the business day today. I haven't seen it. I'll read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he talks about you know the need you know for people coming together and uh, you know all that. And what he was saying to me is that uh, you need two things for pay TV business. You need content. You need technology, right? And uh, these two things work well when you've got the numbers. That's one. Two. You can also understand why these things are being done because they, this is all happening within a context of consolidation in global media. Look what's going on, whether we're talking about discovery, uh, discovery networks, um, Warner, uh, whether we're talking about, you know, Disney is suspected to be, you know, mulling, selling off parts of his business. I don't think it's going to necessarily do that. They'll find a way around it. But, you know, there's a lot of mergers and acquisition activity that's going on right now in the media space globally. So it only makes sense that this is what what's happening in the world. And you can tell that, you know, Multitrace has been leaning in that direction already. When you think about the fact that on Showmax, they've gone together with an NBC to be like, okay, let's do a 70-30. We go into Africa and, you know, make that happen. That's a form of, uh, what you call this, that's already a form of, you know, that deal-making, that consolidation that's at play. But now it's like, uh, let's take a, a, Euro, a Euro, European powerhouse, an African powerhouse. Let's merge these things together. You guys conquer the Anglophone countries. We conquer the uh, the Francophone. Francophone. And, and then, we all win. And we all win. It's a very interesting one. And we'll see how it also plays out. Uh, you know, I... I don't know if multi-choice is, I've got no opinion on it, uh, but uh, scale is something that multi-choice is needed. And remember, we've spoken in the past, in the last few weeks, that they're finally competing. Mm. they finally got a, a value proposition that does compete with Netflix. Um, and so I think they're in good standing. And what they do need next, now that they've figured out the what, is to roll it out and the the who and the when, all of that uh, needs to fall uh, into place. So we'll watch that one very carefully. Another one that I, I wanted to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the other little piece on this one, biggest issue. There's a 20% limit on foreign ownership of media assets mm. in this country. Mm. It's a huge question. We asked and they told us, listen, we've been investing for over three years into multi-choice. We have engaged with experts. We have identified a solution. Uh, we know what we're doing. I suspect whatever their solution is has to do with them coming to list locally. 
I just suspect that mm-hmm. I'm not an expert. Mm-hmm. I need to engage with the experts to see how, but I just suspect. Well, when you yeah. figure it out, come and tell us. But I actually <laughs> wanted to, and we're out of time, and maybe we can we'll add it to our talking points for next week. We need to talk about uh, South Africa's media industry and uh, the talent exodus that we're seeing uh, here. Because it's an important one. And it yeah. also speaks to uh, you know media assets and media in South Africa. But of course, I'll be out of time with you. So let's let's add that to next week. Definitely. And I'm told that uh, you know people often think they can't call in. The lines are always open on 619 so if you'd like to engage us in our tech wrap, please do. We do it every Friday at half past six, possibly the only time where we have a very relaxed conversations about a very interesting sector. The conversation is global. It's local. Um, it's all of it. And we look at ICT. We look at tech. We look at media um, and really what's happening there from strategy to products, all of it. So always keen to hear from you. It's also how we wrap up our power business this week. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.